Ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. Hello out there, my friends. This is Tim Banal of BanalofAmerica.com with another edition of Banal of America Audio, Season 1. It is December 17th, 2005. Our guest is Alfred Weber, and it's not just any interview. It is a co-production with Alfred Weber's internet audio show and podcast, Peace on Earth Radio. That's right. It's a veritable simulcast coming at you from BenallofAmerica.com and Exopolitics.com. We join forces for a very special edition of Benall of America Audio, where I'm reunited with Alfred Weber, whom I met at the X Conference in Washington, D.C. this past April. We really hit it off back there in Washington last spring, so when I heard that he was attached to this Paul Hellyer story that was making the rounds in ufology and the worldwide mainstream press, I was just totally blown away, and I got on the horn right away and got in touch with Alfred Weber, and when I spoke with Alfred Weber, he said, let's bring this conversation to not only the Banal of America audio listeners, but also the listeners to Peace on Earth Radio at exopolitics.com, and I was like, how do you pass up an opportunity like that? I'm totally psyched to be a part of this amazing simulcast, and I really can't say much more than that. We taped this interview on December 11th, 2005. You can find a previous interview I conducted with Alfred Weber at the X Conference in April at banalofamerica.com. You can get a lot of background on Alfred Weber there. But here's a little bio of him for you so you are up to speed on who Alfred Weber is. Alfred Weber was a Fulbright scholar and holds degrees from Yale University, Yale Law School, and the University of Texas Counseling Program. He has taught economics at Yale University and civil liberties at the University of Texas, and has been a futurist at Stanford Research Institute. He has been general counsel to the New York City Environmental Protection Administration, environmental consultant to the Ford Foundation, and member of the Governor's Emergency Task Force on Earthquake Preparedness for the State of California. Weber produced and hosted the Instant of Cooperation, the first live radio broadcast between the USA and Soviet Union. He's the author of the book Exopolitics, and his website is www.exopolitics.com. And that's spelled E-X-O-P-O-L-I-T-I-C-S dot com. Without any further ado, let's rock and roll here on this historic simulcast a Banal of America Audio and Peace on Earth Radio production. This is Peace on, on Earth Radio. Uh, I'm Alfred Lemmermont Weber, and uh, today we have a co-production with Banal of America at banalofamerica.com and Tim Banal. Uh, we're privileged to have him as our host. And uh, we'll turn uh, the production over to him. Tim? Hi, how you doing, Alfred? Oh, great. You know, the, the last time you and I spoke, we, we had a great interview. It was um, at the ExoPolitics Conference in Washington, D.C. in April. I think it was April uh, 22nd to 25th of 2005. And we were seated together at the dinner around a large round table. There may be 20 or so tables. We had a great conversation, so I'm very happy to be here with you today. Yeah, that was really a great time, and I think uh, we really got a chance to get to know each other and become friends, so when I saw the uh, Paul Hellyer story going around, 
uh, this past couple weeks. I saw your name on there. I was like, way to go, Alfred. I was so excited for you to, to be a part of this amazing uh, news story. Well, yeah. Also, it's, 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 it's really a team. Uh, in, in other words, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, we've been working with him since 2001. He was the, uh, the first major uh, Canadian politician to endorse the Space Preservation Treaty to ban all weapons in space. This was back in 2001. And then we, uh, with, together with Toronto Exopolitics Symposium with Victor Vigiani and, my, and Mike Bird, that gave him the platform uh, that gave the Honorable Paul Hellyer, the uh, former Minister of Defense of Canada, the platform to speak out on September 25, 2005. And then with the Disclosure Project under uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, www.disclosureproject.org, and, and also with Steve, with, with Steve Bassett, there's a tremendous amount of teamwork. Also with, uh, with, with Paula Harris out of Rome, Italy, uh, we've, we've just been carrying that to this point. That's great. Um, so how did you get involved with uh, Paul Hellyer from the get-go? How did, did he come to, to you guys about uh, coming forward with some more, some UFO uh, movement towards UFO disclosure, or did you guys approach him? Well, I, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it, it's a complex story, and I, and I know that, 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 that we have some time here, so I'd like to, to unfold it a, a bit as I understand it. Um, originally, uh, my nonprofit uh, educational organization called the Institute for Cooperation in Space, uh, our two uh, um, missions are one, to prevent the weaponization of space and to um, uh, promote the, the uh, transportation, tra transformation of the permanent war economy into a sustainable, peaceful, cooperative space age society. And also a second aim of our organization is to uh, promote cooperation amongst life forms in the universe. Well, through a mutual acquaintance, we first met uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, who was Minister of Defense of Canada from 1963 to 67, and then Deputy Prime Minister under uh, Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. We, we, we met him through a mutual friend here in, Van, here, here in Vancouver. Uh, he was the, uh, at that time, the leader of the Canadian Action Party. And uh, we met with him and with the present president of the Canadian Action Party um, and uh, had a very uh, full meeting. And at that time, he came on board and endorsed the Space Preservation Treaty, which uh, we had co-developed uh, a whole group of people as co-architects uh, with uh, Representative Dennis Kucinich, who's a Democrat of Ohio, who introduced the Space Preservation Act to ban all, all space-based weapons into the U.S. Congress on, in October of two, 2001. So it was sort of from that genesis that we began our interaction with him, and then uh, uh, when uh, my book, uh, Exopolitics, uh, Politics, Government, and Law in the Universe, which was originally published, I put it out as a free online book in the year two, 
2000 kind of to get the, to see the whole field and the I concepts of exopolitics. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, th this year, uh, a number of people approached us and uh, about getting it, uh, moving it from the online status into a, a, a print status. So we did, we said, oh, sure, let, let, let's do that. And in the spring of, of, of 2005, the, kind of uh, in the January, February, we approached Mr. Hellyer because he had been a senior advisor to ISIS and we had spoken at his CUSP conference in Toronto at the uh, Toronto uh, Metropolitan Con Convention Center along with Dennis Kucinich in December of 2002. And so we approached um, Paul Hellyer and asked him if he wouldn't review the book Exopolitics, which had launched this entire field, and write a an introduction to it. He said, yes, send, send it to me to my office. So I did. We sent it to, to his office, and he, he read it, and he wrote the most wonderful review uh, and introduction, which he ended up then uh, 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 would be part of the landmark speech that he made at the University of Toronto. Well, after um, uh, the text version of the, the, the book version of Exopolitics came out, where it was premiered at the Exopolitics conference where, where you and I were yeah. in um, Washington in April, uh, at that time, we we uh, gave a copy to Mike Bird, <laughs> and Mike uh, Mike was the um, or, or I think Mike e either we gave it to him or I, I think Mike bought his own copy and and um, uh, but then Mike took it back to tr to Toronto, and he and Victor Vigiani were at that point putting together the Toronto Exopolitics Symposium. Yeah. And they asked me whether or not I wanted to be there, but it turned out that, that um, on the exact same day, Sunday, September 25th, 2005, was the Nexus Conference in Brisbane, Australia, where I had been invited to go there and also to lecture throughout Australia on exopolitics. So we decided, along with Mike uh, and Victor from a strategic point of view, that it was very good for me to go over to Australia. Yeah and to announce it at that time and to bring exopolitics to Australia, but that, that we would link up the two venues. So then as Mike and Victor, and Victor has long experience in, in Canadian politics and is in the Ontario, Toronto area where the Honorable Paul Hellyer is. So I think what would happen, as I understand it, talking to Victor and Mike, is that then they got the concept of approaching Paul Hellyer to make a major statement yeah. at uh, Convocation Hall, the University of Toronto, which is the largest, uh, you know, one of the largest auditoriums in Toronto. Paul Hell, you have to understand, has been on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, he was the youngest member, uh, serving member of the Canadian Parliament. He was first elected at the age of 25. And then he, he was just, you know, he was like a phenom. Yeah. And and so uh, uh, then Victor and, um, as I understand it, uh, Paul Hellyer began conversations. And at that point, uh, some other friends of ours had just coincidentally over the past several years sent to Paul Hellyer 
copy a copy of uh, Colonel Corso's book, uh, The Day After Roswell. Mm -hmm. uh, this was co-written by uh, William F. Burns, who's the uh, editor of UFO Magazine, and also the editor of Filament Books. Uh, and they published the online version of my book, Exopolitics, Politics, and Governmental Law, in the universe. Well, to make a long story short, a friend of mine had up two or three years ago had sent a copy of The Day After Roswell to Paul Hellyer. In the midst of all of this, he, he began, what he states in his speech is that he began reading it and putting two and two together. And because of his work um, as a support of the Space Preservation Treaty, the Ben All Space Weapons, uh, and uh, then verified it with contacts of his because Canada is a is a full partner with the United States in NORAD, which is the North American uh, uh, Air Defense, which is in charge of monitoring all UFO and extraterrestrial traffic over North America. And so uh, he put two and two together and called his contacts in the States, which is Minister of Defense. He was in charge of, of NORAD for Canada. So he called his contacts and they say every word in uh, Colonel Corso's book is true and more, i.e., not only did, did the U.S., uh, you know, through kind of that, the uh, Henry Kissinger, um, Nelson Rockefeller, David Rockefeller connection privatize all of that technology and put it in the corporation so they make profits out of it through the Rockefeller empire, but now the 600, right now the U.S. is spending $85 billion a year for space-based weapons. Well, we're in 2000, almost 2006. For 2010, this is by congressional record uh, budget figures, they have $600 billion that are planned for space-based weapons in 2010, which is only four years away. So what the general told him is that, yes, some portion of this, and it could be all of it, the U.S. Space Command is planning to deploy space-based weapons, including directed energy weapons and laser weapons, the kind of Buck Rogers technology, uh, for warfare and hostile intent against ethical um, off-planet cultures that have shown no uh, sign of being hostile. So uh, Mr. Hellyer is one of the outstanding statespersons and politicians and Minister of Defense, like the, the Secretary of Defense of the United States, he was in charge of the Defense of Canada. Yeah. Well, if the Americans are going to start a, a, a war with extraterrestrial society, Canada is the second largest landmass on the planet after the Russian Federation, which is 11 time zones. So we are, are at the, the landmass between Russia and the U.S., and we go all the way up to the polar ice cap, and and uh, so he 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 chose that occasion at uh, at, at Toronto Exopolitics to come forth. Now uh, uh, I, I'm just going to conclude with this. Uh, you know, since you asked me this capsule summary, but I want to give uh, listeners the concept of how this has impacted in, for example, the journalistic world. Uh, our uh, non-governmental organizations, Toronto Exopolitics Disclosure Project and the Institute for Cooperation in Space put out a story uh, because this became an election issue here and the conservatives who are like 
the Bush Party up here in Canada, they indicated that they would be bring, putting back on the table U.S. missile defense, which Canada had already said no to. Yeah. So we issued a story, and we had um, an official counter, and at last count, that story, which uh, says, you know, former Minister of Defense of Canada uh, calls for public hearings on extraterrestrials, that story has been read and downloaded at last count by over 577,000 journalists, registered journalists worldwide. That's over a half a million journalists. And it's been down, officially downloaded and registered by 250,000 media organizations worldwide. Wow. That's a quarter of a million media organizations. So there's a tremendous amount of interest in this story and and it's it's moving forward as an election issue as we speak here there's a national the federal election going on in canada the election is going to be on january 23rd uh 2006 but it's like the midterm elections in the states it's slightly different because of our parliamentary system but uh so this so what has happened you're quite right tim is that this whole issue has now moved into the mainstream. Wow. Yeah, it sure sounds that way. Now, uh, from what I gather from what you just said, it sounds like um, Hellier's getting information not just from the, the book The Day After Roswell, but he's going above and beyond that and trying to confirm some of that with people he knows on the inside? Um, yes. Uh, he actually, his speech... Uh, is available online, and if you go to uh, www.exopolitics.com, uh, there'll be a sidebar there that, that's called the 2006 Peace on Earth um, platform, and you can click on that, and the Jerry Pippin organization, jerrypippin.com, has put together a magnificent web page uh, with a video of his speech. Now, what's really interesting, because I think it's important to fill in all the nooks and crannies, is that apparently the people who were hired that day in Toronto to do the videotape, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, for some reason, it didn't work, and the videotape disappeared or didn't work. Well, there was a gentleman in the audience who was um, uh, living in Canada. He's from uh, one of the West African nations, I think. And he was sitting in the audience, and he videotaped the entire speech uh, from his seat in the balcony. It's a magnificent copy. It's like a miracle. Oh, wow. And uh, Mike Bird was telling me and Victor that afterward, you know, they had set up and had hired this video team, and suddenly it wasn't there, and, you know, the usual kind of... The, the, quote, usual suspects that happens in our field. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, th this fellow, this uh, fellow from West Africa, was, was in the audience, and, and, he, um, and he videotaped it, and he got in touch with Mike and Victor, and there's a magnificent tape. I mean, it's like historic, which if you go to exopolitics.com or to jerrypippin.com, you will find, because we're, we're trying to network all, all of this media, and we really appreciate your being open to do a co-production today so we can cross-network and get all of the information out and kind of exponentialize our resources and synergize. But that's kind of, uh, just to give you some of the backstory, 
that's how we have that. And what Mr. Hellyer said in that speech, which is an historical document, uh, 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 is that he had verified this with contacts of his in the United States. Now, since then, there's a tremendous amount of uh, briefing and and uh, other materials that are going on. I I know that the uh, the disclosure project, who uh, which as you know has uh, initially 20, then 100, and now 400 uh, high-level uh, uh, military intelligence and governmental uh, witnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, at the Institute for Cooperation in Space, my uh, co-director, Dr. Carol Rosin, uh, was a Disclosure Project witness. She testified at the Disclosure uh, Project press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. on May 9, 2001. I was a Disclosure Project witness. I filed, uh, in fact, the only sworn affidavit. Uh, of, of, of my testimony, uh, which had to do with the proposed 1977 Carter White House extraterrestrial communication study, uh, of which I was the director in my capacity as a futurist at the Center for the Study of Social Policy at Stanford Research Institute. And, and uh, many uh, Daniel Sheehan, who uh, is our ISIS general counsel, he um, uh, he, he, he's a counsel. He was in the Pentagon Papers uh, trial, and he represented Karen Silkwood. He was also a, a, uh, a Disclosure Project witness. So that uh, a lot of the briefings and of the witnesses and of the briefing documents, et cetera, are now be becoming part of it. And um, there's a whole series of preparations now <laughs> which are being made, which are being put into effect to bring uh, uh, some of the major, not only disclosure project witnesses that have come forth, but perhaps also high-ranking military intelligence uh, uh, personnel of the United States Armed Forces uh, to come in and brief not only Minister Hellyer, uh, which totally backs up his uh, stories, but also to come in and begin to brief the Prime Minister of Canada and the uh, leaders of the of the four major parties here. There's a Liberal Party here. There's a Conservative. They're kind of the Republican Democrat. Yeah. Then there's a New Democratic Party, and then there's the uh, Parti Québécois. They're the the uh, Bloc Québécois. They're like the Quebec Separatist Party. Yeah. So they're all going to get briefings. So it's like a doorway has has opened, and all of the resources that are down in the USA, all of these uh, military intelligence people that have been banging on the doors of Congress, banging on the doors of the White House, banging on the doors of the media, are now finding an opening here in Canada. That's fantastic. What's been the reaction up in Canada uh, of, from the politicians and the authorities when this Hell Your Story came out the last couple of weeks? Uh, have they said anything about it? Well, yes. Um, uh, this is what they call a breaking political story. And and the context is that we are now, uh, un, unlike U.S. politics, where you have, a, say, if you have a presidential campaign that's two years long, yeah. that is, uh, you know, in fact, some people start running four years along, but they're at least, you know, they're two years long, and then you have 
the primaries, and then in that final uh, 12 months, it really gets intense. So you have a kind of permanent uh, campaigning going. So American style of politics, some people say that it's bread and circuses, but, you know, to each their, their own. Yeah. But, but, here in, but here in Canada, by law, the electoral campaign is limited to 30 days, 30 calendar days. Wow. So, uh, you know, any citizen can go down and put down their 10 bucks and, you know, run and, and, and run for parliament. And what's really interesting is that in the 2004 e election, uh, one of the, po one of the politicians who ran members of parliament as an independent, he ran out of here in BC and he turned out to cast the deciding vote that kept the government in power, uh, uh, when we had, for the first time in Canadian history, the Speaker of the House of Commons had to intervene and cast a deciding vote and a tie vote, that politician ran as an independent. So here you go up, you put up your filing fee, and you can run, because you only got 30 days. So as we speak right now, we're in a 30-day campaign. Uh, officially, there's going to be a break for the Christmas holidays. You know, they nobody really wanted a campaign here at Christmas. Uh, but uh, the uh, Bush people up here in Canada, uh, uh, the Conservative Party pushed for it. It was really interesting right? because they're, they're kind of born-again Christians, but yet they're pushing for elections during Christmas. Yeah. It's sort of weird. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, 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 in these 30 days right now, it's really intense. It, it, it's like you can imagine all the action that you have packed over two years in the state, well, you got it packed here into 30-day periods. you got to really hit the ground running. Yeah. And it's like a relay team. It's like the 100-yard dash. Uh, so we're doing that. We're, we're, we're reaching out to all of the campaigns, but primarily we're looking at the post-January uh, 23rd period uh, at which we're going to be making available uh, through the Disclosure Project combined efforts of the Institute for Cooperation in Space and ExoPolitics Toronto will be approaching both the new Prime Minister and leaders and as well uh, we'll be going back to the Canadian Senate. The, the Canadian Senate uh, is a little different from down in the States. In the States it's elected every six years as you know. Here the Senate is appointed. It's a little bit like the House of Lords in, in Britain because our our head of state is the Queen of England or the monarch of England. Right now it's Queen Elizabeth II. And uh, and we have a governor general here who's a representative of the Queen uh, who's very interesting. So how for our Canada is the, the new governor general here was actually a refugee from Haiti. <laughs> so things are pretty far out here and compared to the US and the Canadian Senate, because it's appointed, tends to be wise people, so they were able to deal successfully with issues like, controversial issues like same-sex marriage, which they first studied and said, hey, if people want to make that kind of commitment, it's fine by us. So now same-sex marriage is legal in Canada. Also, the decriminalization of medical marijuana, such that, uh, which the Canadian Senate first did, such that, uh, when the snap election was called, one of the bills that died in the in the Canadian House of Commons was a bill to decriminalize possession of small amounts of pot. 
And you know that there are guys down in a penitentiary in Texas that are doing 10 to 20 years because somebody found a roach in their van. Yeah. Yeah. So that is like, that's the cocaine gang, the Bush Cheney cocaine gang, uh, you know, going after the kind of organic growers. Yeah. The, the, the hemp people. So the Canadian Senate is a body that can deal with these kind of situations. They do not have a New World Order agenda. That's good. Uh, uh, which the Bush ad, ad administration has, going back to Skull and Bones, the, better known as the Order of Death, which is a Nazi party. They finance Adolf Hitler. They finance the Bolsheviks. Uh, uh, Avril Harriman of Skull and Bones actually exported U.S. dollar plates and whole factories to the Bolsheviks so that they were able to manage communism versus capitalism and get the whole Cold War going. All of this is documented in Chris Milliken's books, and they're the people that have been privatizing the whole extraterrestrial technology and contact for their own private profit. Well, we're going to be going back to the Canadian Senate uh, in January after the, the election. So everything is going forward here on a regular basis, and also now... Uh, we have been able to uh, develop and refine uh, what we call the the um, the exopolitics platform. In, in other words, if we were going to look at uh, a, an exopolitics platform that all of the competent um, jurisdictions, uh, jurisdictions or governments that are deal with these issues, starting with, you know, the closest thing that we have to kind of a, you know, take me to your leader, planetary authority, yeah. that would be the, 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 the UN, and then uh, nations like China, Russia, that are space-faring nations, United States, space-faring nation, mm -hmm. and Canada. Um, if we look at uh, what the UN General Assembly has done, in 1978, there was an actual resolution approved by the UN General Assembly. There are 191 member nations now. Whatever member nations were then, it was approved. And what that resolution uh, pro pro provides, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll quote for it. This is uh, United uh, Nations General Assembly Decision 33 uh, forward slash 46. 1978, approved 18 December 1978, so we're coming up uh, to almost the uh, 20, you know, uh, 20th anniversary of it, provides, quote, the General Assembly invites interested member states to take appropriate steps to coordinate on a national level scientific research and investigation into extraterrestrial life, quote, end of quote, including unidentified flying objects and to inform the Secretary General of the Observations, Research, and Evaluation of Such Activities. Well, if we look at what elements would there be uh, in, in, in a platform that we would want either the UN or Canada or the U.S. or any other uh, nation to adopt, we've been able to isolate four. There may be others. The, and it's funny, they're the four Ds. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, that's the four Ds, right? Yeah, and and that is disclosure, 
decade of contact, disarmament, and diplomacy. And by the, the disclosure, that means uh, official disclosure about uh, an extraterrestrial presence around Earth. And that's something that the Disclosure Project has been seeking, that many, many people uh, in the in the uh, uh, if you take the 2002 Roper poll, depending on how you ask the question, uh, between 45% and 85% of respondents, in other words, uh, the population of North America, of the United States, they were congruent with an extraterrestrial presence. They were cool with it, did not conflict with their religion. They wouldn't freak out about it. Yeah. They figured that the government was, you know, hiding it. These are things that everybody knows, and by disclosure, then, would mean an open, transparent, official government, governmental disclosure and declassification of all past and present programs related to the extraterrestrial present. Secondly would be what we call the decade of contact, and we spoke a lot about this, you and I, in, in um, Washington when we unveiled the, um, the Star Dreams Initiative, SCI. Yes. And that is public funding of a 10-year process of formal public education, scientific research, educational curricula, development, uh, strategic planning, community activity, and public outreach about the extraterrestrial presence and our future in a populated universe. And in other words, hey, this is going from the Earth is flat to the Earth is round to uh, all intelligent life ends at the geostationary orbit, which was uh, what 20th century science says, to we live in a populated universe filled with intelligent, evolving civilization. So we need at least a decade of publicly funded. Let's take some of those funds out of the threat scenario that they're doing, the $600 billion they're doing for space-based weapons, and put it into research and education. Sorry. The third D, right, so we've got disclosure, decade of contact. The third D is disarmament. In other words, this is what um, Dr. Verna von Braun, who was the head of rocketry in the Third Reich, came over and, and did rocketry for the Fourth Reich, they say, through NASA. Well, he turned into turned out to be a bit of a whistleblower, and Carol Rosen got to know him in his latter years. In fact, she um, helped him, uh, was at his deathbed, and then put his, his um, helped put his ashes, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, um, and what he told her on his deathbed, and this is documented in an interview with um, Linda Moulton Howe, was that that he said, this is Werner von Braun as a whistleblower, and he's been a, an insider since Hitler, which is like, and it was Bush who financed Hitler, it was Prescott Bush, uh, George W. Bush's grandfather, who as a banker at the Union Banking Corporation, and um, Harriman uh, and, and Sons, they bankrolled uh, Hitler going back to 1923, and that's all documented. Uh, in, in other words, it was just a chapter of Skull and Bones of the Order of Death was the chapter of, of the secret society in Germany that then they coddled and financed Hitler from 1923 going forward. This is what they call the Illuminati, or the world conspiracy, kind of the dark forces, yeah, yeah. the order of death. They just keep the permanent war economy going. They were running both sides of the war during World War II, and this was known, and then it came out that they didn't want to do it because 
they thought that there would be revolts of the workers and the soldiers in the field when they found out that World War II was being manipulated on the Axis side by the Harrimans and Bushes of the world and on the U.S. side just to make money. That's what they were about. So uh, the third element is disarmament, which is a permanent ban on space-based weapons and warfare in space through a space preservation treaty that would ban all weapons. We in Canada here in uh, 1997 brought together uh, under the government of Canada uh, in, the, in the landmines convention. It is a convention banning all the use of landmines. It's a real problem. They're blowing up kids all around the world. Princess Diana got in, in, involved and 123 nations came here in 1997 over a three-day uh, period and signed the, the uh, Ottawa Convention banning landmines. So the same sort of thing now where the only parties on record, this is every year they have a vote at the United Nations General Assembly on a, per, a treaty permanently banning the weaponization of space. In 2003, the vote was 176 to zero. They said, yeah, we need a treaty. There were two abstentions, you know, plus a, one of the Micronesia or something. Yeah, yeah. And the two abstentions were the United States and Israel. Those are the only parties that are, that are for, the, for the weaponization of space. Why? Because they're part of the Illuminati conspiracy, and they make their money through the permanent war economy. There is no war going on. There are no evil extraterrestrials. What Dr. Werner von Braun said was that they're going to come forward with three wars. The first war is going to be a phony after the Cold War collapses and they need another enemy to keep this duality of war going because that's what you need. The permanent war economy sees war as an industrial activity. It's like making shoes to them. So he said that the first war is, is going to, first phony war is going to be a war on terror. Well, guess what? 9-1-1, it is demonstrated by university professors on down that that was a black budget operation of, of the United States government, of the United States black budget, op, you know, things. I mean, even FEMA was up there the night before uh, getting ready for the controlled demolition of the, of the Twin Towers. One of my buddies was down right by the World Trade Center and ran into FEMA operatives there on September 10th to... And, and, and so that's what, you know, and, and then he said, look, there's going to be a second war and phony war, and that's the war against the asteroids. Oh, you better watch out. This new, this near-Earth orbit, uh, objects are going to come blow us out of the water, so we need all this rocketry and all this stuff. You've got to be scared of the heavens because it's going to blow you out. And uh, Barbara Han Plow shows through catastrophobia that the reason why we feel the Earth is coming to an end is because we had that extinction 11,500 years ago when the last galactic superwave took place in an enormous species extinction. extinction. But that's a memory in the past, not a memory of the future. Now, the third, uh, the, the, the third phony war that um, Werner von Braun said was what they call the war. This is the final card that they have, the war against the evil ETs. Yeah. And, and uh, so then you have Steven Spielberg and uh, 
uh, Nicole Kisman's former husband, Tom Cruise, yeah. uh, uh, he, he, he goes out and they have a remake of The War of the Worlds, which is like libel against the Martians who scientific remote viewing, even by U.S. Army intelligence, as Major General Albert Stubblebein III has said publicly, yeah, there's a, there's a civilization under Mars. They're peaceful. They're secretive. There are no world wars going on under the face of Mars. So what do they do? They bring out War of the Worlds as a libel to, like, just like they used to do against the Russians. We'll make things against evil Russians so that you have, uh, you know, justify all these expenditures. Well, we now have a space preservation treaty, and that bans all weapons and warfare in space. And we have a, uh, a World Peace Forum. Uh, 2006, which is scheduled for Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, in June, June 23rd to 28th, 2006, and uh, we have invited to, to come there various governments to come here and sit down and sign that treaty. Once it's signed by more, two governments or more, it can be filed with the United Nations Secretary General under Article 102 of the United Nations Charter. It becomes an effective uh, in, international instrument, and then we just go around, hey, the 26 uh, South American countries, uh, starting with Venezuela, starting with uh, uh, Argentina, Chile, Brazil, they're ready to ban weapons in space, and they've so voted at the United Nations. So there, there are all these ways to work around this uh, this uh, rogue government. Uh, you know, that's nothing but a skull and bones government down in down in the U.S. Yeah. Um, by the way, I went to Yale. I was not in Skull and Bones. I, I was in an underground society called Torch and Talon, and uh, we we rented a, be a beach house out in Brantford and would go out there twice a week and kind of you know t tell our stories. But you know, th th there was none of this. Uh, uh, stuff going on. We we all chipped in thirty bucks for the rent. Nice. Well, that's good. All right. Now yeah. I got I got a tough question for you. Okay. Uh, because uh, we have a writer at my website. It's been all of America. Um, and, right. And uh, the writer uh, Leslie. She's uh, one of the hardest working women in ufology. She's very modest. You probably haven't heard of her yet. And I actually I, I usually tell her when I'm going to be talking to people, and she gets right. back to me. Usually she doesn't have any questions, but this time she did, so it was kind of exciting. Okay. But um. Well, she's used to listening to uh, a lot of these paranormal radio shows, and she's a little weary of uh, remote viewing being used as evidence. And uh, can you speak to the validity of remote viewing in the face of all these uh, yeah. snake oil salesmen, remote viewers who are... Well, you well, know, you know why could question why Ed Danes is on Art Bell? <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, because he is demonstrated in the book of Jim Mars on revoke viewing as probable a CIA disinformation person who was responsible for the downfall of a lot of the projects. So that's Jim Mars' research on that. As to your friend's weariness, I suggest if she's in this field, she might want to try another field because anybody who's weary here doesn't belong in this field. I can tell you uh, from my personal experience, and I would urge you and her to read those, uh, I came uh, into uh, Stanford Research Institute uh, uh, in the spring of 1977. I met 
Russell Targ and Dr. Hal put off in December of 1976. They um, they uh, were developing, and I and I met Ingo Swan, who who uh, I met him down at his uh, part is the loft down down at the Bowery in New York, in uh, in the fall of of of, of 1976, and. Um, uh, they were doing the first CIA finance, Department of Defense finance, uh, remote viewing experiments uh, uh, on uh, as an espionage technology. And uh, I would urge you and your friends to, before you get weary, to begin to read some of the scientific literature, namely Russell Targ's book. Namely, Targ and Putoff's book, which has just been reissued by Hampton Roads uh, Press, uh, uh, such as the scientific articles, uh, uh, as to this, and Courtney Brown's new book that I was privileged to get a copy of from him and attend his lectures at the uh, IIIHS conference that, that this, in Montreal this past spring. Both myself and my spouse, uh, Jerry Stefano, are going to be presenting at the at the May 2006 Triple IHS conference in in uh, in Montreal, and then I think that your friend, uh, when she gets when she gets more and more weary, uh, should uh, start reading some of the books uh, like David Morehouse and and uh, Joe Joe Monagle. And uh, also, she can go to www.peaceandspace.net and read the speech of uh, Major General Al Albert Stubblebein III, uh, who was uh, Chief of U.S. Army Intelligence, uh, who revealed that since the late 80s, uh, they were using uh, re remote viewing in order to uh, uh, survey and gather more about the uh, intelligent civilizations on other celestial bodies, including Mars. Um, and not only that, but the scientific method where you have re re remote viewing, you can always verify uh, in, a, in a terrestrial espionage situation, because you, you send a human spy in and you verify yeah. what you saw or you or you use photography. Well, in, in 1991, the Soviets released photographs of, a, of the Phobos probe being shot down by a Martian vehicle yeah. in 1989, which was verification of what the remote viewers had seen in, in, 19, in, in 1989. So you meet all of the tests yeah. of the scientific method which are where you have standard laboratory protocols uh, and, uh, and you receive replicability of results and then you have independent verification through photography like the Phobos probe that was uh, released in, in 1991. There you have it. So I, I would urge your, a, one way that she can get started on recognizing who are the disinformation agents. Yeah. Uh, that the national security state has placed out there in public, Jim Mark's fingers Ed Dames as a main one, but uh, uh, she should go to Ed Dames' book, uh, uh, go to Jim Mark's book and start there, and she'll become less weary and more excited. Um, all right, let me touch on the other. She had another question. It's not as tough, but all right, okay. you know, you, I think you can kind of understand the remote viewing question though when you look at it in light of.
um, some of the people you hear cl uh, claiming to be remote viewers and making uh, grandiose claims on the radio. Okay. That, you know what I mean. That it, well, that yeah, I mean, if, bad name if, and, you know, where, where, if you go to a place like www.farsight.org, which is the Farsight Institute, well, you have long transcripts and verification. Yeah. And, and, and they, what I like to say is that anybody can become a, a, a remote viewer, but it's going through the rigor of the training protocols. Yeah. So I think that as in our field demands rigorous discernment, among its experimenters, and remote viewing is no exception to this. Okay, and then the other uh, the other portion here of the question was, how are you uh, planning on addressing the abduction phenomenon to uh, to the general public once once this disclosure starts to begin? Okay. Yeah, no, no, I I understand. I I'm sitting here holding uh, holding a very beautiful book called Awakening. How Extraterrestrial Contact Can Transform Your Life by my friend Mary Rodwell of Perth, Australia. I was with Mary in, in Australia at the uh, conference in, next conference in Brisbane. And um, uh, saying, in my opinion, this book will become the Bible of the alien abduction phenomenon forward by Dr. Roger Lear. Our institute, the Institute for Cooperation in Space, also had a very friendly relationship with the John Mack Institute and with uh, Dr. John Mack prior to his tragic death. And uh, I coordinated with John and my, my uh, co-director, Dr. Carol Rosen, did as well and were well familiar with his work. This is where the remote viewing uh, data uh, really comes in and also uh, I'm going to jump to the chase here, the data of MyLab, the military abduction program, yep. which is a disinformation program to make the extraterrestrials seem evil. That, that, that is, uh, using uh, uh, military personnel, a lot, those abductions, a lot of them take place right by U.S. military bases. They use mind control techniques with phony abductions so that you have, quote, abductees who have just gone through a, a major uh, deception operation come back and, and report bad. And also through the remote viewing data, which I would urge your colleague there to get into and get under her belt if she's really going to become serious about this work, look at the alternate researchers like Mary Rodwell, like um, um, Dr. John, the, the late Dr. John Mack, and look at the remote viewing data, which indicates that uh, in the genuine, quote, abductions, which you can also say are debriefings, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it depends, like, beam me up, Scotty. A lot of people report peak experiences. So uh, that's why, in our judgment, the, the, the MyLab program, military abduction program, was deployed because uh, they, 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 they had to get, like, bad reports out there to cloud it all. Yeah. Now, we are uh, just about uh, with, uh, just about coming up to the end, so I would urge this is a great area.
media because remote viewing data provides the inside story on why advanced races like the advanced greys uh, who are about a million years in advance of our own according to the remote viewing data replicable may have uh, time travel uh, capability as well as space travel in fact all space travel has got to be time travel because you can't get you can't do these enormous distances without using wormholes yeah. and kind of dimension jumping and that uh, there uh, from that data that demonstrates a slightly different take on this whole thing and the take on the whole thing is that is that uh, uh, there there the the exopolitics model is confirmed and that is that we 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 may live in a in a populated multi-dimensional multi-galactic multi uh you know uh multiverse yeah. universe yeah. and and that there is a higher plan and part of that plan is to save this planet from blowing ourselves up because we are a very conflict-ridden race uh who at any point in time there are 150 wars going on on this planet uh, many of them religious wars of one god versus the other god, and it's just a matter of our atavistic perceptions, uh, such that there's a way to reframe the entire, quote, abduction phenomenon into, quote, a debriefing phenomenon with the troublesome cases. Uh, those are mainly my lab cases, military abduction carried out by the Bush gang, the Bush Rockefeller gang and the Black Budget gang using mind control techniques. So I have no problems there at all. All right. Well, uh, probably the biggest and most important question this comes. This doesn't come from anyone but me, really. But uh, probably a lot of people in ufology is okay. how can I, I, we? I, okay, we we have four minutes. All right. Well, how can we uh, help? How can we help get this get this disclosure thing going? What's the best way for you? You know us? that that is absolutely the best way and and it's like any the exopolitical movement is like any other political movement and the purpose of it is to link up uh, into what I call the the exopolitical future in other words rather than the world ending in fire in a nuclear conflagration or the world ending in icy global warming we can link up with with um, uh, our heritage inside of a populated uh, uh, universe inside of ethical uh, linking up to ethical off-planet cultures and the way to help is as follows uh, very specifically you can go to two websites one is www.peaceinspace.net and the other is you can go to uh, www.exopolitics.com and these are source these are source websites and there's a lot of original ideas from groups of people coming through here and if you're american you can get involved in taking what we call the 4d's in other words uh disclosure decade contact disarmament and diplomacy with all planet cultures not war against them and bring that for example if you're american to the to the um, mid u.s midterm election which is november uh, 7th 2006 and ask all of your candidates no matter what party Republican Democrat Green Independent where do they stand on that platform you can start bringing the issue to the president the new 
president of the UN General Assembly, Mr. Eliasson, who's Swedish and who's very, you know, open-minded on these issues. And the General Assembly has already spoken 20 years ago. You can uh, go and you can write letters as a world citizen. If you're Canadian, you can get involved here, uh, writing to the Canadian Parliament uh, to, to hold hearings. So with the Honorable Paul Hellyer, we really, we call him our icebreaker. Yeah. He's kind of broken up the ice. So it's like anything else. If you remember, in the 60s, we had the Freedom Writers. Then we, we brought in the Civil Rights Act and all of that. Yeah. It's the same process. We now have the Freedom Writers. That's the exopolitical movement, the great Freedom Writer of them all, Mr. Hellyer. We just got to push through that through. And everybody's got to get involved from the body politic. We have to get involved. It is a participatory thing, and that's what Universe Society keeps on telling us. Excellent. Yeah, I think uh, everybody has to do their part. You can't just sit there and listen and, and say, you know, someone else will do it. you gotta, you got to throw in your, your share of the work, too. You know, um, I, uh, we've come to the end. Yeah. Kim, this has really been good, and I really appreciate the tough questions because it gets us the opportunity to get out the tough answers, which is generally unmasking a lot of the disinformation that is out there. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate, tell, give our best to Leslie and tell her to just keep it up. And, and uh, I, I hope that uh, this is uh, the first of many co-productions. I hope so, too, yeah. The, the, yeah, between the now of America. I, I know that you did a yeoman service, and you guys were the first guys that put on the net uh, the the uh, Exopolitics Press Conference at the National Press Club on, on, on April 25th to 2005. Let me throw my website plug in here for your listeners. Uh, it's www.binnallofamerica.com. So that and, way they can get hold yeah, of Yeah, and, and uh, Tim and Binnall of America, if it were not for them, people would not have an historical record of that National Exopolitics Press Conference. So we want to express our gratitude and appreciation here. Oh, thank you very much. Thank Great. You. So I, I, I hope that we can do this in, in the future. I see our clock is ticking down. Yes. So I, I'm going to jump in here as our as our co-host and say uh, that it's been a pleasure to be with Tim Benal of Benal of America. I'm Alfred Weber of Peace on Earth radio, um, and uh, we wish you all a miracle-filled day. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. That does it for this week's edition of Been All of America Audio Season 1. I want to thank Alfred Weber for the amazing opportunity to bring our conversation to both groups of listeners and bridge the shows. Um, I'm really humbled that he would even consider having me as a co-host quasi-guest uh, for Peace on Earth Radio, so I really want to thank him for that. And of course, you can find out more information on Alfred Weber and the Exopolitical Initiatives for 2006 at www.exopolitics.com E-X-O-P-O-L-I-T-I-C-S dot com I want to thank Leslie for her amazing questions for Alfred, and Chiron for his continued support and help with the audio series. And, of course, I want to thank all you great listeners out there. Next week, it is a very special Christmas Eve edition of Banal of America Audio. 
I think you're going to flip out when you hear this. Stanton Friedman, the father of modern-day ufology, sat down with me, and we recorded about an hour of awesome material. It's a little bit of an early Christmas present for the Banal of America audio listeners, and that's going to be up at banalofamerica.com on December 24th, 2005, Christmas Eve. I hope you come back and check that out. Until you hear from me again, this is Tim Banal of Banal of America Audio, signing off.